Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them every month at the Canal Cafe Theatre. This story was performed by Rachel Mars in September 2010. Where the theme was crossing the line. Um, it was uh, 2006 and I was 26 and I'd had to go back to living with my parents again. And I was having a shower and my mum uh, put her head around the door. Um, there are sort of privacy issues in my family, but I think that's probably another story. And um, she said, darling, um, are you going a bit the other way? Um, and the reason that she'd asked me this is because that year, um, when I was 26, I'd finally sort of committed to doing a dream that I really wanted to fulfil, which was living in New York. And I'd gone for three months to be a theatre intern in Brooklyn. And I'd left my boyfriend of six years, I'd waved goodbye at uh, Heathrow, and he was going to find a flat for us to move into together when we got back. And I really, really loved New York. It lived up to everything I was hoping to be. It was very fast. Uh, people are very rude to you, but it's kind of funny somehow. Uh, everyone seems Jewish. Even the not-Jews seem a little bit Jewish. Which is kind of a relief when you look like this. And I think, partly, I think that's... I knew I was going to find something about myself there, and I thought that maybe that's what it would be. It would be kind of this refining of a Jewishness that I'd somehow lost a little bit. And also, I love the fact that this, this British accent still has a kind of currency there, and people find it totally charming still. So you can just say, kind of, excuse me, and people will immediately start talking to you, and it doesn't matter that you're both naked in a kind of gym, changing rooms, and you don't really want to talk to anyone, let alone kind of get into a conversation about the special relationship between Bush and Blair. You just want to put your pants on. <laughs> they, they don't seem to care, and actually that was really refreshing. So I was manning the doors of a theatre show on the Upper West Side and a woman came up to me with loads of bags and she said, I really want to see the show but there's nowhere for me to store them, can you look after them for me? And I looked at her and I thought, you don't look like the, you know, anything worrisome in the bag, so of course. And my of course kind of outed me as English and uh, we got talking and it turned out that she was uh, playing in a band and she gave me a flyer. And it was a kind of gypsy klezmer band and they were playing a gig the next night and I thought, this is perfect, this is like totally why I've come to New York to see this kind of culture. So the next night, I went downtown to Lower East Side to this tiny bar to go and see her band. And I walked in, and the audience was all female. And um, a lot of them kind of had a similar style going on. They were like short hair and like tattoos. And a lot of them had girlfriends. And I looked again, and uh, the title, the name of the band was The Isle of Klezbos. <laughs> and I went, oh, OK, this is, this is where I am, fine. Um, so the gig was great, and then afterwards I talked to her, the musician who'd invited me, 
and we exchanged contact details. And then the next day, this kind of series of very fizzy emails started, and lots of play with language. It was very exciting. And um, I still had two months to go of my three months in New York at that point. And she said, I can show you around the city. And I thought, well, brilliant. She's, you know, gauging, and she knows the city really well. So um, we uh, sort of started then our series of uh, kind of not dates. <laughs> so there was, first of all, we did, the, we did the movies and then a meal not date. And then we did an all-night cabaret not date. And then we did a kind of a picnic and boating on Central Park not date. <laughs> and uh, at that point, I, like, a little 5% of me thought, I wonder if she's interested in me. And then I thought, like, don't be ridiculous. That's totally presumptuous and kind of strangely homophobic that like, just because you're a girl and she's gay, she's interested in you. Um, so I kind of got rid of that. Um, but I, how, how could they be dates? Because I was straight and I had this boyfriend of six years and we were going to move in and do London happy couple thing. Um, so there, you know, I put that out of my mind. What was also happening to me around about that time is that I got kind of serious gastroenteritis. And I would just find myself having to rush to the toilet without warning. And I went to toilets all over the city. So I went in, in Macy's is a good one. And in um, Bloomingdale's, I went in the second floor and also in the fourth floor. And um, Dwayne Reed, the pharmacy, are really mean. And they won't let you use the toilet unless you work there. And it doesn't matter if you look really pained and you're buying like drugs for it. They still won't let you use it. And Zabar's Deli, they will let you use it, but you have to be a customer. So I bought some cheesecake, which was actually like a really big mistake. Um, and I found myself finally on a Brooklyn street corner Kind of pouring salt into a bottle of 7-Up as a kind of homemade curative, trying to think, like, what's, what have I eaten? What's the culprit? And I couldn't really come up with anything. So it was uh, three days before I was due to fly home to London, and it was uh, the date of our final not date, which was um, opera and then uh, meal, not date. And um, <laughs> on that day of that not date, I went and had my bikini line waxed. And um, I also packed a toothbrush. And sort of looking back, I find it amazing sort of how able I was to just completely delude myself. <laughs> and so this kind of opera and then a meal not date turned into like opera and then a meal and then the bar not date. And then opera and then a meal and then the bar. And then there's this great place I know just near my apartment. It was fantastic dessert not date. And then they're like, come up and see my apartment not date. And then they're like, you can stay over, nothing needs to happen. Like here, wear this Mickey Mouse t-shirt not date. <laughs> so I'm in the Mickey Mouse t-shirt in bed with this woman thinking, interesting and then somehow somehow it from that point on it was it was definitely a date <laughs> I kind of realized at that point that this kind of gastroenteritis thing was not to do with food and if I was honest with myself actually every time I had thought about this woman and like the possibility of touching her I would l just have to run to the loo and it was like this kind of the kind of contemplation of an action combined with like an immediate burial of that action meant that it was kind of going down into me and I'd have to like flush it <laughs> and, um, and it was it was also I think a warning that I was about to kind of do something really really wrong and totally right and that I was kind of going to cross this line of fidelity but also I was going to cross a kind of much bigger sort of seismic schism of sexuality um, and it was very worrisome and very exciting at the same time so uh, three days passed and I was on the plane back to London and um, on the toilets on the plane I noticed that I had a hickey because it was like really classy of me <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I landed and I took my boyfriend to a pub in Ealing and I pushed the printout from the estate agents to one side of the table and I explained what happened and I said that it was over and he was obviously completely devastated um, although we sort of managed to be friends and he reminded me that on our first date he did ask me if I was gay <laughs> and I said no because I was sure I was straight and um, 
even kind of after that experience in New York, I went back six months later, kind of pursuing this this queer love with this woman, and um, that didn't work out. But even then, I was kind of sure that I was, you know, straight. I was a phase, and the kind of fascination I'd had with androgynous women was always this part of straight tomboy identity, and I'd grow out of it. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we're now in 2010, and I've not gone out with another boy since. And I'm still like, now I think, okay, you're not, you're not straight. Um, <laughs> I, was, um, I was telling this story to a friend of mine about six months after this New York thing had happened. And I said, you know, it's funny, I've just had this memory come back to me um, of being 12 years old and being in my parents' toilet with a copy of Just 17, which was very exciting because I was 12 and therefore five years below <laughs> Just 17 of the title. And I turned the page and there was this double page black and white spread, advert spread. And she said, oh, the one for the Terence Higgins Trust. And I said, yeah, that one. And she said, uh, the one with the naked male torso on this side of the page and the female naked torso on this side of the page. And I said, yeah, that one. And she said, I think it said, um, whichever one of these you find most attractive, use precautions. And I said, yeah, that one. And she said, I bet you looked at it and you thought, I don't know. I don't know which one of these I find more attractive. And I said, yeah. Yeah, I really remember being 12 years old and running my finger down the center line of that magazine and absolutely not knowing. So anyway, I turned the shower off and I looked at my mum and I said, yeah, yeah, I think I am going a bit the other way. <laughs> and I, also, I think we need to have a conversation about you knocking. For more stories or to take part in next month's show, Head to sparklondon.com. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates. Audio production by Matt Hill at rethinkdaily.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.